All righty then. Let's get started. I want to thank Bill for last week taking care of this. Appreciate it. He did good. He did good. Yep. I knew he would. And so let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. So, Father, we thank you tonight that we can enter into your presence. We thank you for the joy of our salvation. We thank you for your word, which is true, always true, always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, as we're going through this study, we just ask you to continue to speak to each of our hearts, open our minds to be receptive to the truths of your word. Father, we, we want to be effective in our study, effective in our sharing, effective as your as your ambassadors. And so we pray that you would just teach us tonight by your precious Holy Spirit that we might have greater understanding of your, the truths of your word. And Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about um, God's word is complete. And uh, the reason that that's significant and important that we look at it is um, I think next week we talk a little bit about um, different cults and so forth. And basically what they do is they add to the Word of God. And so what we want to talk about tonight is how the Word is complete. The canon is fulfilled. Uh, and so the truths are what we have in the Bible. And, and not just that it's complete, but why is it complete? You know, a lot of individuals say, well, it was just a bunch of guys that got together and decided this is going to be the Bible, and so that's the Bible. But there's a whole lot more to it than that, and so those are some of the things that I want us to look at tonight. You know, one of the things that we, we understand about the Scriptures is that uh, it, um, there was really kind of a quiet period. You know, from, from Malachi to um, the book of Matthew, um, we have we have 400 years of silence where um, we don't have any words where God spoke. We don't have the the prophecy so forth. And anyway, from from Malachi to um, the New Testament, uh, it's a period of time of about 400 years. And so, as we begin to look at it tonight, we we begin to realize that. <clears throat> When Jesus came and he began to fulfill all of the prophet, prophetic words that had been, been given, um, it's interesting that it took that long, um, but it did. And so what we see in the New Testament, really in the, from the very beginning, is a fulfillment of what was spoken in the Old Testament. Um, remember, we've talked about this before. Everything uh, in the... In the Old Testament, points forward to Jesus. That's that's the point of everything that we have in the Old Testament is pointing forward to Jesus. Everything in the New Testament is pointing back to Jesus. Especially when we get into the epistles, uh, it's talking about uh, what already belongs to us because it's been purchased for us um, through Jesus. And so, in the New Testament, it reflects the fulfillment of the promised Messiah. Um, Jesus. And we see that it was penned um, by the apostles. And as we go along here, one of the, we're going to see what were the requirements for a letter to be considered part of Scripture. And one of the things that we see is that um, everybody in the New Testament that penned a book um, had been in the presence of Jesus. Paul, we could say Paul wasn't, but yet his revelation, uh, his experience on the road of on the road to Damascus, that was that was Jesus who appeared to him, who revealed himself to him. So that's one of the one of the prerequisites. In John 14, 26, we find that Jesus empowered the apostles through the Holy Spirit to recall and write and interpret his life, words, and deeds. And so 
Remember, we, we looked at the scripture, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I think it's one of the scriptures that we use for our um, memory and, and so on and so forth. This one's talking about how the scripture is God-breathed. And so it's not just a bunch of words, but God actually, it's God-breathed. And he used man to be able to do it. So there was a cooperation uh, between God and man for the scripture to be able to pe be penned. It wasn't like the Ten Commandments where, you know, God took a piece of rock and wrote the, the Ten Commandments in there. He, he did it through men, um, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. He spoke in and through them so that this word that we have um, might be uh, complete. As it says in John 14, 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you into remembrance all that I have said to you. And so, you know, I, I don't know about you. I, I mean, I, I have a hard time remembering what took place yesterday. You know, let's just be honest about it. You know, but, you know, here we have individuals that years prior to when they were to pen it, they were, they were able to write it down accurately. And the, way that, the reason that they were able to do that is that they were not just simply dependent upon their own memory. Um, they had the help of the Holy Spirit. And as it says right here in that scripture, it says, whatever you hear, uh, he will speak. And he, well, it's, let me back up a little bit. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so, you know, when, there, when, when we have the quotations of Jesus in the Gospels, um, they're, they're quoted accurately. Those are the words that Jesus spoke, but it was brought to the remembrance by the Holy Spirit. In John 16, 13, it says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak in his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. And so here we see, even prophetically, he's showing them, he's going to reveal to them the things that are to come. Now, the reason that this is so important in the book of, of John is for us to realize that John didn't, like I said, he didn't just write this out of his memory. It was inspired, it was revealed to him by the precious Holy Spirit. In John 21, 24, it says, uh, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things and we know that his testimony is true. And so John is making reference to himself. You know, I'm talking about these things and I've witnessed these things. I've, I've seen these things. You know, it's one thing to hear about something, but it's another thing when you're an eyewitness, when you see it with your own your own eyes, you experience it firsthand. And that's why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're able to write these things down. They hear from the Holy Spirit, but they're not just simply hearing from the Holy Spirit. They're inserting within that their personal experience because they were in his presence. They saw these things, they heard these things. You know, <clears throat> we're gonna be looking at these scriptures again in a little bit. But, you know, the Apostle Paul, or John also, you know, was the writer of the book of Revelation. And later on again, we'll look at the book of Revelation, but we see there where it says that we're not to add anything to the scriptures, and we're not to take anything from the scriptures. And so this is why it's so important for us to have an understanding of this, because we have individuals, groups, that have added to the scripture. You know, we were talking the other day about, you know, the Mormons, that they're just wonderful people. Aren't they? If, if you know anybody that's, that, that's a, a Mormon, they're, they're wonderful people. But the problem is, is that they've added to the scripture. You know, and, and, and we, 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 we look at the Jehovah, Jehovah's Witnesses, if you've ever had any come to your door, whatever. You know, <clears throat> most of them are very fine people. But you know what? They've added to the scriptures. And he says, we don't have a right to add to it, and we don't have a right to, to take away from it. And so, 
They're equally abominable to God. To add to the scripture and to take away from the scripture. The reason that that's so significant is we have a lot of people within Christendom that take away from the scripture because they say, well, this, doesn't, this does not apply to us today. This, this, is, this is different in the day that we live in. Well, <clears throat> we, don't, we don't have a right to do that. Remember, we were talking in the past about exegesis, how we were to interpret scripture by scripture, not eschegesis, not taking and taking what we already believe and inserting it into the scripture and making scripture say what we want it to say. So we interpret scripture by scripture, and it's so important for us to get a hold of that. As the New Testament letters began to be gathered and read uh, throughout the church, we find evidence that they were always being included as part of the Old Testament canon uh, described as scripture. In other words, what it's saying is, you know, <clears throat> we see, for example, we, if you look in 2 Peter and you hear Peter speaking, Peter begins to talk about Paul and he says about Paul, he says, you know, some of the things that, this is Schroeder's paraphrase, by the way, but he says, you know, some of the things that Paul writes is really tough. It's tough to take. But the thing that I want you to see is that Peter, who by many are, is considered the pillar of the church, Peter looked upon Paul's writings in the same way that he looked upon the Old Testament scripture. And so we see even uh, during that period of time, the, the, those letters that Paul wrote, they were beginning to be considered uh, as significant as, and as important as um, the Old Testament truths, the Old Testament canon. And so we need to be aware of that. Uh, taking a little bit look at, at the history and apologetics concerning the background of the Bible and so forth. You know, we, we see that, and, and especially when we're bringing it together. You know, when, when we begin to look at, at the scripture, especially when we're looking at the New Testament, because that was the part of the canon that was added later on. You know, those 27 books, I think, it's, I think that's up on your little note thing. That there's 27 books. Why are there 27 books? Well, we, we find that the reason that there's 27 books because there were more, but they didn't fit into what was considered to be the canon because uh, they, they didn't agree uh, completely. You know, you, you, you know there, there's books that you can buy and it's, it's the other gospels. And, 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 but but those, those books were not recognized by the leaders of the church of the day when the canon was established. The reason that the leaders of the church established the canon as we have it today, the Bible, is because these books were in agreement with one another. They didn't contradict one another. They, they fit into uh, the whole. Scripture ought to complement Scripture. You know, and that's why we interpret Scripture by Scripture. You know, people say, well, you can get the Bible to say anything you want. Not if you interpret it correctly. Not if you allow Scripture to in interpret Scripture. That'll not happen. I'll tell you when that happens. That happens when an individual takes one verse out of context and they use that to override everything else that they may see in Scripture that doesn't totally agree with that. And so, you know, really it was established within the first 200 years of the church. Um, as we know it today. That's when uh, the canon was established and so forth. And, and so there were some questions that, uh, that they asked in order for a, a, a book to be considered part of the Bible, part of the canon, there were certain scriptures, or excuse me, not scriptures, there were questions that were asked. The first was, was the book or letter written by an apostle or under the direction of an apostle? Now, <clears throat> I believe that there's still apostles today. But here we're talking about the apostles of the Lamb. We're talking about the apostles that um, lived in the, uh, and, and walked with Jesus, including the apostle Paul in that regard. Because they experienced firsthand um, 
what, what Jesus had done, what Jesus had accomplished. That was the first question that was asked. Did the, did the writing resound with truth of God? In other words, did it line up with God's truth or were we coming out with something totally different here? You know, it's always a clue. When somebody comes out with some fresh new revelation it doesn't line up with anything else in the Bible, the dude is wacky. You know, I don't care who it is. It, 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 it should line up with Scripture. And so I believe in perpetual revelation. I believe that we're still receiving fresh revelation of God. But it's not going to contradict anything that's already in the Scripture. You know, when we got a hold of the Word of Faith message, you know what? We didn't have to forsake the, the truths that we already had in our life. We were able to take that truth and, and build upon the foundation that we already had. When we got a hold of the message of grace, we didn't have to forsake the faith message. It fit perfectly upon that foundation. And we were able to continue to walk with that. Now, if I would have had to have forsaken the message of faith in order to accept what we refer to as the grace message today, I, couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Because we go from faith to faith to faith to faith. You don't start out and then start again, then start again, then start again. That's what the church has done for many years because they don't get established upon something. And what we need to get established upon is on the Word of God. And what's scary about the day that we're in today is that we, we have a generation of people that are forsaking the simplicity of the Word of God, the gospel of, of grace and truth. Well, what's going to happen is somewhere down the line, somebody's going to get a hold of it again, and it's, it's like starting all over again. We're not supposed to start over with every generation. We're to build upon the generation that preceded us, and we're to move on and forward. Um, so did the writings resound with the truth of God? Did it speak with the voice of authority as the Word of God and not the words of men? You know, <clears throat> if you don't, you shouldn't. You should care less what my opinion of something is. If I can't share with you the truth of God's word, you know, my, my opinion is worthless. My opinion ought to be based completely upon the truth of the word of God. And if I'm doing that, it's no longer opinion. It's truth that's being shared. And so we, <clears throat> we, don't, we don't care about opinion. What we want is truth. Can I hear an amen? amen. Just make me feel good. Praise the Lord. Number three, were these writings used, were these writings used from the earliest of times? Uh, attempts to include other writings from much later dates have been made, you know, because there, there's um, writings and things that have been found later on uh, that, that people have tried to say, well, you know, this is as much a scripture as anything else. No, it's been established. Is it, is it the earliest? You know, we have Bibles today, and I, I, I love them. I read them. You know, the Message Bible uh, and, and many others, they're, they're, they're translations. And so what they've done is they've taken, you know, a translation and they've translated it. They've, uh, they've brought it into a more modern English. And, and so I, I read the Message Bible. I read the... Uh, New Living Translation, I love them because they're easy to read. But I made a mistake in my, what I said. They're not a translation. In other words, they didn't go back to the Greek and to the Hebrew to translate that. And so you take like the, um, the King James, that's where it came from, the NIV, uh, many of those Bibles, um, New American Standard, uh, they just didn't take the translations that they already had and just uh, change the wording a little bit. They went back to the original. And so that's what it's saying is we're, we're, we're going to take the, the oldest translations and that's what we're going to use as the foundation because, you know, it's like anything, the moment that you begin to transcribe something, you know, 
<clears throat> there's changes that happen. You know, for example, uh, uh, Miranda showed me tonight that, you know, I had to change the, the heading of, uh, for, our, um, for our roll call, for our attendance, um, from September to October. And so, I mean, I looked at the calendar and I wrote it out. And so, you may not realize it, this is a, this is a Minnesota month. It's Akbir, Akbir, uh, two E's rather than one. And so I don't know. I think I think that's kind of cool. I like that. Oh, Akbir, Akbir, Whoo, glory! You know that could drive a guy to drink or something. I didn't mean that. Just kidding. You know, you know. But 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 thing is, is see how easy it can be for there to be a change. You know, and, and so, you know, somebody come along and say, well, you know, Pastor Dave said it's October, and so it's, it's let's, let's have a quick one before we go to sleep tonight. Well, enjoy yourself. Number four, did most churches accept these writings as New Testament canon? You know, and so when, when it was established, there, there was the first 20 books, and they were just, they were accepted almost immediately. But the last seven, it took some time um, for them to really analyze them and look at them and determine that they were, that they were important and that they were part of the canon, that canon that they went along with everything else. You know, when we're looking at the New Testament, um, you know, we look at the Gospels and um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they provided the accounts. And so th these are the different things that were able to be accomplished in the New Testament. They pro provided an account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. That's basically what you find in, in the Gospels. They're dealing with those th first three years of Jesus' ministry. Yeah, it talks about his birth. And, and we have some accounts of, of him growing up and some events that took place and so forth. But the majority of it, is dealing with his life and ministry and his death, burial, and his resurrection. And so we see that in the Gospels. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they were written between A.D. 55 and A.D. 68, somewhere in that territory. And so really it wasn't that long after Jesus had ascended on high uh, that they began to be penned. Now John was a little bit different. Uh, John was probably... The book of John was probably around um, A.D. 90, and in the 90s someplace. You know, then we have the book of Acts. The book of Acts talks about the activities of the early church. Aren't you thankful for the book of Acts? I mean, uh, it, it's the one place that we can look to and we can read and we can really see what was taking place in the, in the early church. So that's why... The book of Acts to us as Charismatics, as Pentecostals, that's why it's so important to us because it begins to give us a picture of how the church uh, was to operate and so forth. And so we have the book of Acts and, and it was written by, it was penned by Luke and somewhere around um, the six, in the 60s, the mid-60s, someplace in there. Then we have the Pauline epistles, the epistles that were written by Paul, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. So the 13 pastoral letters, they were all written by Paul. And, and we see that he wrote these letters as he was uh, endeavoring, as he was making this attempt to walk in uh, walk as a Christian. And so the Holy Spirit was giving him revelation. Thank God for Paul. He had the revelation of the church. He had the revelation of us being the body of Christ. And, uh, and so he began to pen these things, write them down. And he did that somewhere between A.D. 51 and, 50, and 65. And so it was probably written over a period of span. We don't know a span of time. We don't know exactly when it took place, but it was in that time frame. And then we have um, the general epistles. And these were the ones that probably um, took more time to get, um, to get established because they were written by five different individuals and, and so forth. 
But we're talking about Hebrews, James, and of course, I know you shouldn't go by my opinion, but my opinion is that Paul probably wrote the book of Hebrews. And there's a lot of scholars that really believe that just because of the way that it's written and so forth. But we don't know that for sure because uh, nowhere in the letter does it say who wrote it. And so we have Hebrews, we have James, we have First and Second Peter, uh, the three Johns, and we have Jude. And, and like I said, they were written by uh, five different individuals. They included doctrine. Uh, they, they included practical advice. But it was for the church. It's for you and me. And so that's what we see with all of the epistles is that they, they're, they're not historic. Um, they're really not even poetic as we've been talking about knowing what form we're looking at. But they were informational. They were, they were advice. They were uh, instructing us as a church how to live, how to operate, how to accomplish things. Then we have the book of Revelation. And I'm not sure where that was written either. I, I think uh, probably around uh, the 90s someplace because it was written by uh, John as well when he was on the island of Patmos. Uh, but but it's, it's more poetic again. And so as we're reading through these books, we, we look at, at, at the Gospels and we see that they're basically historical, although there's very important teaching and information there that we get from Jesus. We look at the book of Acts and we see that the book of Acts is, is by and large, it's historic. But even though it's historic, there's so much that we can still learn from it. But then we begin to look at the, the epistles and then um, we, we really begin to see what God is wanting to reveal to us, the truths of God's word. And so it's important for us to have an understanding of these things, that this, this Bible that we have is not just a, <clears throat> you know, I, I've got some um, books in my library where they have authors, and rather than have a bunch of separate books, they, they combine them all into one. And so, you know, you got a book that's this thick, and, you know, you carry it around, and you look like you're really intelligent because it's got all these books in it. <clears throat> it's not like that. It's not just a conglomerate of a bunch of books. They're individual writings, but they're there for a specific purpose, and they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of these books are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and when we give them their proper place, we're going to grow and we're going we're to learn from them. And so let's move on here a little bit. Um, these are some review things. You can look at them later on for yourself. Let's get to John 14, um, 25 through 26. I'm running out of time tonight. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But <clears throat> let's, um, let's go ahead and look at this. It says, These things I have spoken to you while well, I'm with you, but the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. These things which I have spoken to you while I was with you. This is Jesus speaking to us. And so remember, we've talked about the fact when we're looking at a book, we need to uh, look at it from the standpoint or we're looking at a passage who's speaking what is it being uh, being revealed to us well he's speaking it to his disciples because if we go back just a little bit um, we, we see that it's uh, it's in the upper room where Jesus was ministering to the eleven by this time um, Judas has already gone out to betray him this is prior to, to the end of the chapter we begin to see Jesus going to the garden and so forth. But here, Jesus is speaking to the eleven. And so, <clears throat> Jesus knows what's ahead of him. The, the eleven don't. Even though it's prophetically been given to them, they, and he's tried to explain it to them, they've never been able to get a hold of it. That, that Jesus is going to suffer. That he's going to be crucified. And so Jesus is wanting to get a point to them. He says, these things... I have spoken to you while I was with you. But the helper, so he's saying there's somebody else that's coming. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, of course. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father, 
Remember several weeks ago we talked about the Trinity. Here's another proof text concerning the, the Trinity. Jesus is speaking. He says the helper, the Holy Spirit is going to come and is going to come to you. He's going to be, be sent to you by the Father in my name. In the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to be sent by the Father to minister unto you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, your, bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, of course, there's, you know, this is where you have to take Scripture as a whole once again. You know, because I remember there was a period of time, this was in our early walk, where we were hearing some teaching. See, you know, and, 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 and you've got to get a hold of this because not so much anymore, but I've needed job security over the years. You know, and they've said, well, see, we don't need pastors. We don't need teachers. We've got the Holy Spirit. And so if you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you don't, have, you don't need anybody else because it says He, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Well, how does He say it to us? Well, He says it to us through the Scripture. He says it to us through teachers, through instructors. You know, one of the great deceptions that can come against somebody is to think that they're a lone ranger that they can handle it out there all by themselves. You know, I've been pastoring for 37, 39 years. I still can't handle it by myself. I still have to have it revealed to me oftentimes through an individual. And, it, and, and you also need that from the standpoint to keep you balanced, to keep you on target so that you don't get off course someplace. I remember we had this woman up in Wapaka, Wisconsin. She got, she got really spiritual. And so one day she showed up at the, the church and she had a couple of boxes and she brought in all her books and, and she says, you know, <clears throat> I've got the Holy Spirit. I don't need all these books. It's just simply man's opinion. Uh, uh, you know, we're talking about spiritual books and so forth. She says, I've got my Bible and I've got the Holy Ghost. And as far as I know, that was the last time she showed up in church because <laughs> she had the Holy Ghost. And he was going to show, teach her all things and bring to her remembrance all that had been said to her. Well, don't be... We don't have any... Oh, we got some in the church. I'm going to say it anyway. Don't be stupid. You know, just, just have a... You know, use your brain for something other than to hold, keep your skull from collapsing. You know, use it. It's, it's not a sin to use your brain. And uh, obviously in this day that we're in, we don't see a whole lot of that. But, um, and so the helper, of course, is talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, once Jesus is gone, the, the, the Spirit uh, will be responsible to bring to remembrance the words of Christ and the teachings of the Apostle. You know, <clears throat> I don't know about you, there, there's things that I heard so many years ago, and a situation will arise, and the Holy Spirit, I know it's not me, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to my remembrance. I remember when I got, you know, I, I went through confirmation and everything when I was uh, young, and, you know, I had to memorize scripture, I had to go through all this stuff, and uh, I didn't think I got anything out of it. I thought, you know, that was sure a waste of time. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing that happened. I got born again. And there was stuff that I'd learned going through confirmation that came back to me. Well, your, your memory improved. No, the Holy Ghost on the inside of me improved. But notice, I had to have heard it before it can be brought back to my remembrance. Amen. We got to hear it before you can remember it. And so he says he's going to bring to our remembrance that which has already been said. And so we have to be in a position to hear because if we don't hear, no matter how hard the Holy Ghost tries, he can't bring it back to us. Now he can give us revelation of stuff, I guess. But you know, the number one way that he works in our life 
is, is to guide us and direct us, and he's going to do that by information that we've already received by reading the Word of God, by giving uh, time uh, to the Word. So common threads, um, I don't want to do that. Let's look at this. Let's look at the um, Gospel of John, 21st chapter, 25th verse. And it says, this is the disciple who bears witness. And so here John is talking about himself. He says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many who uh, other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Is everything that Jesus, everything that Jesus did, is everything written down? No, it's not. But see, that's why the Holy Spirit was so important because he brought to their remembrance those things that were necessary or those things that would be important for us to know, for us to hear. And so that's why when we're, when we're reading through the Gospels or through the Apostles, or you know what, even through the Old Testament, you know, because let me tell you something, over that 4,000 years, 6,000 years, there's a whole lot more that went on than what's written in the Scriptures. But the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance, instructed them in the things that we needed to hear about. You and I, we needed to hear about creation. You and I, we needed to hear about the ark. We needed to hear about the flood and that whole thing. We needed to hear about Jonah. We needed to hear about the Tower of Babel. We needed to hear about Jericho and the walls coming tumbling down. We, had, we needed to hear all those things. And you know, so often we, we spend so much time trying to figure something out that isn't put in Scripture. If we were supposed to know it, the Holy Ghost would have revealed it to us. He would have had somebody pen it so that we would have been able to read it, so that we would have been able to apply it in our life. And so because it's not there, it must not be that important. You know, <clears throat> I, used to, I used to struggle with, you know, you know, you, you pray for people. I don't know about you. When I pray for somebody, I expect them to get well. But it didn't always happen. You wonder why, why was this one healed? Why wasn't this one healed? And why, why, why? And, and you know, you, you, can get, you can get burdened down with that stuff. And then one day I, I read the scripture and it says, the secret things belong to God. And I realized something. If I'm supposed to know he would have shown me. Because he hasn't shown me, that means what I need to do is live by faith. I need to walk by faith. And so I do what he's told me to do. I do what he's shown me to do. And what he told me to do was lay hands on the sick and see him recover. And so whether I ever see anybody healed or not isn't the issue. The issue is, am I going to be obedient and am I going to do what he told me to do? You know, we share the gospel with people. I don't know about you. Everybody I've shared the gospel hasn't received it. But I'm not going to stop sharing it. Because we've been given a command, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that does not believe shall be damned. But then he says, if I'll do that, these signs will follow those. In my name, they'll cast out demons. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick. In my name, they'll pray in other tongues. In my name, if they drink anything deadly, I'll not harm them. Then later on, it says, and I'll confirm that word which you preach. And so what are, we, what are we commanded to do? We're commanded to obey him. And in obeying him is doing what he told us to do. Not worrying about, why well, I don't see the results. Well, that's, not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to do what he told us to do. Did I get done reading that? Okay. Praise the Lord. Then I guess I don't have to read it again. 
I want to. This is the, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Do you know that his testimony is true? We you need to. We need to. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Where, <clears throat> where every one of them uh, had been written, I suppose that the world itself, itself wouldn't have been able to hold it, wouldn't have been able to control, contain it. Oh, this, this is a tough one. Listen to this. Revelation 22, 18, 19. I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to him, we, we made reference to this earlier. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. That doesn't sound very pretty. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Revelation. I don't want those plagues added to me. But, but notice what he's not talking about. Uh, you know, we, we like to uh, impose, you know, anybody that doesn't live this particular lifestyle, the way that we think they ought to live, whatever, you know, you know they're, they're not going to experience the blessings of God. He's saying anybody that adds to the word, Anybody that takes away from the word, he says, that's who the plagues are going to come on. You know, you, you think of the, these individuals, and I look around, I see people that are, that are so committed to what they believe. I, I mean, I'm sure you've heard me share this because I've shared everything. <clears throat> but we were in Wapaka, Wisconsin, and one day there was this knock on the door. It was at home. This young lady comes to the door, and... and um, I take one look and I know what she is. She's a Jehovah's Witness. And, and so she wants to sell me her book or whatever it is. And I said, well, I'm a pastor. I'm really not interested. And, okay. And I said, but I, I want you to know something. I really respect you. And I mean, she was taken back. She says, what? And I says, I really respect you because you're doing what you believe. I said, the only problem is, is all of your doing will not gain you heaven. And she says, well, you don't really believe there's a hell, do you? And I says, yeah, of course I believe there's a hell. And she says, no, I, I, don't, I don't believe that. And I said, well, what does the scripture say? And I said, um, did, didn't Jesus, when he taught, if he was going to use a parable, didn't he always say this is, this is a parable? And she says, yeah, that, that's true. And I says, now we can use your Bible. You know, turn to the parable of the rich man, or the, the account of the rich man and Lazarus. And she says, well, that's a parable. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, look in your Bible. It does not say that it's a parable. It says there was a man named Lazarus. And he begged at the door, and of course, at that point, she said, oh, I'm sorry, I have to go. You know, and so she was, she was gone. So remember that story, because you can get rid of him in a hurry. <clears throat> you know, but, but, the, but this is the point. This is the point. You, you get beyond the scripture, what the Bible says, and what they're studying is, it's adding to or taking away from what the scripture says. Because their big argument is that Jesus is not God. That Jesus is a God. And they wrote their own Bible and, and, and just randomly put an A before Jesus. Well, if Jesus was just a God, you and I would be lost. We would be without hope. I mean, we might as well just celebrate October. Because there's nothing else to life that would be worth anything. But we have something that's worth something because what Jesus said in his word is truth. And you and I, we don't have to add to it. We don't have to take away from it. We're satisfied with it. We don't need somebody to put on a show in order to us accept what the word of God has to say because the word of God is truth. 
And we're not going to allow anybody to take away from it. All right, let's get to the 19th verse. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of, the, of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of the life, the tree of life, and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Let me try that again a little bit more effectively. God will take away his share in the tree of life. Now, if you're reading the King James Version or the New King James Version, um, it, it says something a little bit different there. It talks about, um, I know I've got it marked here someplace. In the King James Version, the New King James Version, instead of tree of life, those versions say that God will take away his part from the, the book of life. You know, and uh, it, it can mean the same thing, but that when you go to the earliest transcripts, that's, that's not there. A direct interpretation of it is from the tree of life. Now, what would be so significant about the tree of life? Well, if you remember in the Garden of Eden, that tree of life was so important that God stationed angels at the gate so that Adam and Eve and their descendants did not have access to the tree of life. Because if they would have had access to the tree of life, they would have lived on. And uh, do you realize that, this might not go over right, but do you realize that death is not a curse? It's the curse that's caused it, death to be what it is. I mean, of course, when we get to heaven, there isn't going to be any death anymore. <clears throat> but, you know, the hell of hell is living eternally in that condition. Yes, there, there's the absence of God. But the hell of hell, just think of, of, of eternal and of an eternity of pain and suffering and guilt and shame because of everything that you've ever done, everything that you've ever thought. You know, <clears throat> what the church has tried to impose upon believers to scare them out of hell is what you experience in hell. And so we're free from that. Just think, in, in the presence of God, there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more shame, there will be no more guilt, there will be none of that crap that we have to deal with here on earth. I'm about to retire, so I can even say crap in church. <laughs> and so here we are. You know, but in Jesus, we have life. And, and where does that come from? It comes from adding and taking away from the Word of God. So what's the point? The point is, we need to guard ourselves to make sure that we do not add to and that we do not take away from the Scripture. And this isn't a new thought. Look at Deuteronomy. You shall not add to the Word that I commanded you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commands of the Lord your God that I command you. You know, under the old covenant, it wasn't enough to do a pretty, a pretty good job. Under the old covenant, you had to keep the command completely. We're told that if you offend it in one point, you've offended it all. Well, you know what? We can learn from that. We can learn from that that I'm not going to take anything away from the Word of God. We could go into depth in that, but... As usual, because I've talked too much, we don't have time. Deuteronomy 12, 32. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. I think about that even from the standpoint of the new covenant. You know, are we under the law? No, we're under grace. 
But you know what? Grace is not an, an avenue, an excuse for bad behavior. Grace empowers us to fulfill and do the will of God. Grace reveals to us what the will of God is. It's God's grace that revealed to us that peace, joy, gentleness, all the, the fruit of the Spirit, that it belongs to us. It's ours by grace. But you know what? That same grace that has imparted it into our life is the same grace that empowers us to be able to do what the Word of God says. And so <clears throat> part of our vocabulary as born-again, spirit-filled believers that believe in the grace of God Part of our vocabulary is no longer I can't because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, I'm sure you've heard me share this story, but I just love it so much. I love to hear myself share it. <clears throat> but you know, Norval Hayes had a Bible school. And uh, uh, in his Bible school, they were having a, a, a gathering one night and he was speaking and he was at the end of his service and he turned to this one student that was in the front row and he says, whatever her name is, come up and play the piano. And he con continued to minister and she sat there. And he says, come on, come up and play the piano. And so she got up and she went up and she got behind the piano and she sat there for a moment. And she began to play and the entire place went completely wacko. And Norman's looking around, he's trying to figure out what's going on. He says, what, what? What's happening? And they said, well, she's playing the piano. And he says, yeah. He says, she doesn't play the piano. And she sa he says, why, why'd you do that? And she says, you told us we should never say we can't. You, you don't allow us to say we can't. So you want another piano player? You know, who, who, do, you, who do you want? Oh. <clears throat> maybe, maybe better be led by the Holy Ghost. But, but, but anyway, you know, that, that's the point. But see, what do we do? You know, the, the Bible says something. We say, well, I can't. I can't. Well, let's get over that. Everything that I command you, you shall be careful to do. You shall not add to it or take from it. That's Old Testament. It, it, both of those passages that I just shared with you, they, they dovetail. They, they, they're in agreement with Revelation, the last book of the Bible. And that's what I mean when I say that this, this Bible is an agreement, book by book, cover to cover. Proverbs 30, here, here we'll find one kind of in between, in between Revelation and, and Deuteronomy. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Do not add to his words. We're not to add anything to his word. We're to take it and we're to live it and we're to walk in it. I want you to take out this sheet of paper. Which I don't have one of. But the reason that I want you to look at it is because of the, the significance of what, here you go, I do have it. When we're, when we're going through the scriptures, and I, I think we've talked about this in weeks past, as we're going through the scripture, there, there should be these common threads that we find throughout the scriptures. And when we, when we find those things, what it does is it, it reinforces, it solidifies those truths that we, we see in our life. And so as we read through these passages, um, there, there's, there's, a, there's a thread that goes through this that, that, that's common about um, knowing what uh, God says in his word, that we can rely upon it. Let's look at the first one, for example. Luke 1, 1 through 4, it says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken uh, to compile the narrative of these things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. 
And so I want you to underline that if you got a pen or something, just as those who are eyewitnesses. Um, Luke is speaking about himself as being an eyewitness. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely from, <clears throat> uh, for some time past, to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus, or whatever his name is, that you may have a certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. Why, why, is this, why is this so important that we recognize this thread? So that we have certainty. That there, it, we, we don't have one teacher teaching one thing and one another. You know, in all of our churches, there, there ought to be a common thread. You know, <clears throat> I believe in unity. I think oftentimes what, what people want, though, is they want union. They want everybody to be, to look exactly the same, be cookie-cutter Christians. But you know what? If we try hard enough, uh, there, there is unity out there. And if oftentimes the only thing that we can find is Jesus Christ and he crucified, well, that's a starting point. But you know, the Bible talks about having like precious faith. That's talking about something deeper than just being on the surface. And to have that like precious faith, that means that there has to be a, a thread of agreement that goes through what we believe. Otherwise, um, we're going to struggle because there will always be conflict until we find that. In Acts 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given command through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And then look at this next verse. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so here we see that, that thread. We saw it with Luke, that he was an eyewitness. Here we see that they had walked with him. In 2 Peter 1, 16 and 18, through 18, it says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known, <clears throat> when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they didn't have to make something up. You know what? The gospel is so good, we don't have to make stuff up. A lot of times people think they've got to add something to it to make it more appealing. We don't have to add anything to the gospel to make it appealing. But then he goes on and he says, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. There we see it again, that common thread. They were eyewitnesses. For when we received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was uh, born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this. We heard this. So it isn't something that somebody shared with me. I heard this. We heard this. His, uh, this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And so here we see that first-hand account, that first-hand witness once again. And then finally... In 1 John 1, 1, it says, that which was from the beginning. And so they're talking about from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Number, verse 3, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you. Why is that so important? Because there was a common thread. Those that penned the scripture as we know it today, they were eyewitnesses. They, were, they have personal account. 
It was not opinion. It was what they had seen, what they had heard that was brought back to their remembrance by the precious Holy Spirit. And so before we get invaded, go in peace. In Jesus' name, have a great week. And we'll see you Sunday, if not before. Be blessed.